Good morning. We're so glad to have you on this Labor Day weekend. I have a feeling that there's a lot of mixed emotions potentially in this room because some of you are extremely, extremely happy right now because Notre Dame, Fighting Irish one, so you're very, very excited. Got a couple claps in first service, so at least I got a couple whistles, but yes, Nick, our drummer, actually prayed for Notre Dame to win last week. It was really weird, but the Lord was with them is what he says. But then there's... Then the other half of you, though, is extremely, is extremely angry because you want to see Jim Harbaugh and his large khaki pants get fired. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I know I'm really happy because the Florida Gators won 56 to three. So I'm, or I'm sorry, 56 to six. We'll give them that extra field goal. But so there's probably a wide range of emotions today. But no, we're so so happy to have you on this Labor Day weekend. Um, this morning, want to talk to you about some things that I think we all wrestle with. See, there's sometimes when the Lord is doing stuff in your life and you feel like that's maybe what you want to share. And then there's other times where maybe God tells you to speak on something and you're not really going through that particular thing. But I think this morning is one of these things that we all, we all wrestle with. And if you look at the screen, I want you to ask yourself, is this your heart? If, as you really dive deep into your heart, I want you to ask yourself, is this your heart? See, I'd love to say this is my heart, people first. We know this is something that we're supposed to be doing. We want to have other people ahead of ourselves. We want to be at the back of the line, make sure we're challenging and spurring each other on. We want to make sure people are first. But if you were to be completely honest with yourself, I think you'd say, this isn't necessarily me. And if I was to be completely honest with you this morning, I would say this isn't always me for sure. I think there's moments where I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, but putting people first is a really big challenge. And I, I like to watch people and see what people's lives are about. And my cousin from California is here and I'm so excited that I get to spend some time with him this weekend. And I was with him in California and we were on Venice Beach. And if you've ever been to Venice Beach, it's probably the weirdest place on planet Earth. In fact, I think if you're an incredibly weird person, you just pack up and move to Venice Beach. But the thing is, we were people watching. And him and his friends do this often. And I've people watched before, but we were people watching and we saw a bunch of different people you know, doing their own thing. And I, I recognized a couple things, and it's everybody is trying to make it in life. I think that if you've ever people watched, you, you recognize this pretty quick. Like, we're all, we're all just trying to make it through life. I also noticed that there's a lot of different agendas if you watch people. Everybody has their own agenda. So we saw tons of people down at this beach, whether it's, uh, you know, somebody coming up and asking if they can take a picture with me and put me on their Instagram because they wanted me to, uh, they're, they're having this political debate or whatever, and they, they're like, I need, you know, I need people to join me. And I'm like, ah, I'd r- rather not be in your Instagram if you don't mind. But uh, you probably snapped a picture as I was walking away. So if you see me on some political Instagram, it was not my choice. But there, the, there's a bunch of different agendas of people, if you've ever watched people. You know, we all are trying, we're all trying to, to live and we're all trying to, to do something with our lives. And in fact, I want to show you a couple books that, that highlight how we can be as people because we're just naturally selfish people. If we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're selfish people. 
This is the first book by Joel Osteen. It's sold millions of copies. It's Your Best Life Now. Your Best Life Now. It doesn't say your neighbor's best life now. It doesn't say the person down the street. It says your best life now. How can you get better? How can your life be better? How can you get that car? How can you get that boat? How can you get that promotion? Because it's your best, and it, and it doesn't just start tomorrow. It's your best life now. Tons of people have bought this book. And I'm not, and I'm not, and I want to highlight something. I'm not saying going after things is, is wrong. In fact, it's actually awesome. That's what God calls us to do. Go after that promotion. Be the best you can be. Get the biggest platform. Do all this stuff. But when these things trump what we're supposed to do, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, you're going to see something that Jesus did to change that. So your best life now, let's get to the next book. Get smart. Get smart. How to think and act like the most successful and highest paid people in every field. Man, this is what it's about, right? I want to get smart. In fact, I wonder if I read that book. I wonder if I finally get smart. So I might have to go read that book. You want to get smart. We want to have our best life now. You want to get smart. Let's just get smart. Get all that knowledge we can get. Let's get the third book up here. And the last one is Wired to Create. Not Wired to Serve or Wired to Love. I know there's books on those, but Wired to Create. Unraveling the mysteries of the creative mind. If I can just get more creative... I can benefit my career, can benefit my life. I just, I just need to get more creative. I, my best life is now. I need to get more creative. I can get smart. Good things. Let me tell you that the number one genre of sales in books in the entire country is self-help books. And I don't think that's ironic. And the reason I don't think that's ironic is I believe that people want to get better. Now, this is a good thing. But I also believe people are selfish. And how do I know this? Because I'm incredibly selfish. And I think that this is a struggle, and I think Jesus came to do something different, and that is my hope this morning, is that you were challenged on this. Now, this isn't gonna be, as I always say this, but I like to preface it, I don't think you're gonna walk away and say that was profound. That's not my goal today. My goal today is for this to be a reminder of what we're called to do, a reminder that God has a plan for us, and it's bigger than just us, and it's bigger than just your best life now. I'm telling you, I think there's stuff that God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. And how we make things attractive to other people is a really big deal. Now, the gospel on its own doesn't need to be spiced up because it's the most beautiful love story we have. Jesus comes down. We're sinners. We all are. Jesus comes down, and he gives us an opportunity to experience eternal life. And all we have to do is say, God, I mess, I mess up every day. I'm a sinner, but... You're my savior, and I want your grace. It's the most beautiful story, and it doesn't need to be spiced up. However, our job is to make that love story attractive. There's a young boy. He's on a train in the 1960s, and there's a full thing of people on this train, and he's got a basket of apples, and he's got one apple in his hand, and I don't know, maybe they're Granny Smiths, but these things are, are he wants to sell these things. He's going to sell all his apples, and so he walks down the train, and Hey, got, got an apple, apples for sale. Does anyone want an apple? I got an apple for sale. And he gets to the front of the line and not a single person has bought the apple. He's a little bit discouraged, but he decides to turn around again and he's going to go back down. And so he says, hey, everyone, I, I got an apple. Here's my bucket of apples. These are really good. You should have one. Nothing. And there's a guy on the train that happens to notice and thinks, hmm, I think I could help that kid. And so he says, Son, I'd love, to, I'd love to help you sell these apples. And so he, he takes the basket that's kind of dusty and gross looking, you know, and kind of wipes it down. And the apple's, you know, kind of gross looking. And he, you know, shines it up. He takes the basket and he begins walking to the front of the train. 
and he's eating his apple and he's saying, wow, this is the most delicious apple I've ever had. Holy cow, who wants one of these things? My gosh, you're missing out if you don't have one of these. Look at this delicious shiny apple. And he goes down the first thing and a bunch of them sell and he's like, I'm going to give that another shot. So he comes back down and man, this is the most delicious apple I've ever had. Holy cow, I'm enjoying this. Wow. And he gets back to the boy and there's no apples left in the bin. He had sold everyone and he had eaten his. And, and I think this is the thing with the gospel. I think sometimes you and I, we don't make it attractive. You see, we have the hope of Jesus Christ, but we live hopeless. We have the love of Jesus Christ, but we live without love. We have the grace of Jesus Christ, but we live without grace. We know that God forgave us, but when somebody does something wrong to us, I am not forgiving them. There has been people that have hurt me and there's been people that have hurt you. And I look at that, those people and I, I just get angry in my mind. I'm like, oh, they wronged me. I'm not going to ever forgive them. And God looks at me and is like, hey, remember, I forgave you. You see, we have to make this thing attractive. We have to make people see what God has done in our lives, the love that he's displayed for us. And sometimes I think that it's really, really challenging because this statement right here is not always true. I think the church and I think Christians and I think myself want to believe that this is my heart 100% of the time, but to be honest with you, it's not. Because oftentimes I want to get to the bigger platform. I want the, you know, the bigger stuff and the, the better stuff and I want the upgrades and, and I, all of a sudden I'm missing out on what God actually had for me. And so my hope and challenge today is not to discourage you, it's to encourage you that we have opportunities and they're out there and they're in this room and they're outside of these walls as well. See, there's a big, big opportunity for us to display the gospel and the attractiveness of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to highlight for you today. And so we're going to jump around a little bit in the scriptures. Sometimes I like to tell stories with scriptures and sometimes I like to just jump around. I think there's pieces and there's some contextual stuff that we're going to highlight today. So if you have your Bibles, I want to give you the exact mission of Jesus. If you don't know the mission of Jesus, you just think he was some guy that came down and wanted to not let you have any fun or he wanted to come and set all these rules. That's not, that was not his mission. I want to give you his mission and it's Matthew 28, 20. So if you have your, your Bibles or your, your phones or you just want to look up on the screen, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is his mission. If you want to know what God's mission is, it's simply this. See, I've had a bunch of different ideas of what I think God's mission is. You know, there's been times where I think, oh, my goodness, like, he, he just doesn't get me. He just doesn't understand me. He just doesn't, maybe you've been hurt and you're like, he just doesn't love me. He just, I don't know what it is, but I want to make it as clear as possible that today this is his mission. You see, he didn't come to be served. He was in a nice little spot up on his throne. I'm sure he was probably pretty happy, and he didn't have to make the human race. He didn't have to do this. But he wanted to because he loved us and he didn't want to make us robots. And so he makes us regular people that can think and that can have freedom. And once we mess up, he decides that the only way is to bridge that gap. But he's, he thinks the only way I can display love is if I come down and make a sacrifice, which is the ultimate, ultimate gift of servanthood, I might add. But he wants to make it very clear to us that he didn't come off his throne to be served. He actually came to serve us so that we might get a chance to see his love and in return... We will serve the Father. We'll serve God. It's a really, really profound thing that Jesus is saying because he is completely, completely turning the tables here. He's throwing status out the window. I want to give you the two examples and definitions of stewardship and servanthood. So if I give you the definition of stewardship, this is the definition of stewardship. 
Stewardship is the job of supervising or taking care of something. Basically, when you're a steward, you have the opportunity to care for something. You have the opportunity to own it. Some of us are stewards of our job. We take ownership in our job. We're proud of it. Some of us are, take stewardship in our relationships, whether it's a girlfriend, boyfriend, fiance, friend, spouse, doesn't matter. We, we take stewardship in the fact that we want to take care. We want to be a steward of our family. We want to be a steward of our, of our children. We want to take ownership in supervising or taking care of what we think is important. So that's stewardship. And God is actually calling us to be stewards of Jesus and so how can we do that? I want to give you the definition of servanthood. Servanthood, a person who performs duties for others. Notice it doesn't say servanthood, a person who performs duties for others in the hope and return, uh, the expectation of getting something in return. It doesn't say that. Servant is a person who performs duties for others, period. It just means that you do something. It's a heart thing. It's not expecting anything in return. It's saying, go do something for someone. And I think we find a very interesting context of something in the Bible right here in Scripture. It's Luke 10, 38, 42, and I want to read you the story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do work by myself? Would you tell her to help me? When I've read this story, I've thought of two things. I've thought to myself, Martha's in the wrong, Mary's in the right, end of story. If you look at the context of this story, Martha is actually doing exactly what the culture tells her to do. It's interesting. If you look at Martha, she would have actually been doing exactly what she was supposed to do. She has a guest coming, Jesus is coming, and instead of you know, doing the, maybe all the stuff that we know that Mary was doing, she's actually technically, from a cultural standpoint, doing exactly what she's supposed to doing. She is cleaning up, she's preparing for Jesus, she's making sure everything's in order. And you can imagine her frustration as she's washing the dishes. Dang, Mary, she doesn't, gosh, I can't believe she's not helping. Jesus, could you tell her to help? Like, I'm clearly doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm preparing. But Mary's over here being lazy, and she's sitting at your feet. I would love if you could tell her to help. And then she goes back to wash the dishes. She's probably pretty ticked because in her mind, she's doing the right thing. Culturally, she's doing the right thing. This is what Jesus says. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. You see, Mary has chosen, I want you to get this, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. There's a question that we need to be asking ourselves this morning, and we need to be asking ourselves in the midst of our busyness, what is urgent and what is important? Urgent and importantness, they can, those two things, importance and urgency, those two things can go hand in hand. I get that. They can be very similar, where sometimes something's urgent and it's important, but I think we've actually got to a place in our society that we always use urgency. See, what Martha was doing at this time was she was doing what's urgent. Because urgency, she, knew, she was kind of last minute, Jesus comes into the town, oh my goodness, I need to get everything ready. That's an urgent situation. Mary did what was important. See, sometimes we want to do stuff, but God actually has even a better plan for us. 
The culture tells us to go for the promotions. The culture tells us that it's all about me, 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 getting as big as I can and as best as I can. And Jesus comes in and is like, man, believe it or not, I got actually something better. See, if you're like me, sometimes you feel the urgency to, to get better and to, to make sure that I'm climbing the status ladder. Maybe people will look at me and they'll think, oh, that guy's awesome. Or maybe people will look at me and if I can keep climbing this status ladder and I don't have any time to waste because everybody's busy and we're all trying to climb this ladder and it's urgent and God says, yeah, but I actually got something better. See, Martha was not doing something bad. She was actually doing something good, but Mary was doing something better. As you ask yourself this question, in the midst of your life, are you doing things that are urgent or are you doing things that are important? Let me give you an example of urgency. I'm sitting at my desk in the morning. I'm spending time with God. I get a call, and it's not an urgent call. It's not one of those where somebody's dying and I need to get over there. It's, it might be something, hey, can we meet for coffee? I need to talk through some stuff. The urgent little button goes off my brain, and I say, yes, I'll, I'll, meet, you, I'll meet you right now. Let's meet at coffee. And they say, okay. See, there wasn't anything bad with that because that person needs help, but I think God looked at me and was like, yeah, that's, that's great. I know this is an urgent need, but I had something important to tell you today. All you had to do was sit at your desk and maybe dive into scripture or ask me what I had for you today. See, sometimes urgent things are not bad things, but you need to be asking yourself and I need to be asking myself, what is urgent and what's important? It's a really, really big deal as we look at this idea and dive into this idea of making Jesus attractive and putting people first. How we can know that is Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well as what Jesus says. I love this part of scripture because he's giving you a priority type of chart. The priority type of chart is this. If you were to look at your week throughout the entire week, and the chunk of time that you're spending doing things, are you doing what's urgent or are you doing what's important? Now, I know most of us would have, let's say, the work, you know, the work per hour, like that's going to be a big chunk of time. I get it. We have to spend time at work. I get all that. But then after that, what would your time look like? Would it be, oh, I get home and I spend three hours on my computer at night or I spend three hours on my phone or I spend, you know, whatever it might be or in my, my kids get one hour you would be able to tell very quickly in your life what is urgent and what is important if you were to look at this priority sheet of what are you seeking after. Because the things that you're seeking after, if you want an example of where your heart's at, look at where you're spending your time. Where you're spending your time and what you're doing with your time will give you an indication of what you're seeking. If you're always pursuing yourself and the things that you want in your life, you are seeking yourself. If you were serving people and you were taking opportunities to dive into what God has, you might be seeking his kingdom. I would love to stand up here and say that I'm seeking his kingdom, but I'd be hypocritical because a lot of times I'm seeking my own agenda. I'm seeking what's best for me. I'm seeking what's best for my family. These are all great things. God wants us to do what's best for our family. He wants us to grow. He wants us to learn. But Jesus is always flipping stuff. He's always doing opposite stuff that, that kind of catches us off guard. You can know what you seek if you were to look at your week. So my challenge for this week is would you take a time? You don't maybe have to write it down, but I want you to look at where your hours are spent. Are your hours spent at all with Jesus, taking time in his word, or praying for other people, or are, are all your prayers directed at yourself? Help me, keep me safe, do all this stuff. Those are great, but where's your time being spent? That's how we can know. 
And so that's another picture of this servant. As you hop, as we hop down into Galatians 5.13, like I said, this is going to be a little bit all over until we get to the end. Galatians 5.13 to 15, it says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. One of my favorite people probably on planet Earth is Tim Tebow. Not just because he was a Florida Gator and he won us two national championships and a Heisman. No worries. But Tim Tebow is one of my favorite people because this is a guy that from at least my perspective and some of the people, there's a couple people that I, that I know that have met him. From that perspective, he's a terrific guy. Um, he, he's a servant. His foundation is doing amazing things. He, he talks the talk, but you know what? He walks the walk too. He's a genuine guy that I believe really cares about people. He does his job, whatever job it is, with excellence. And when people have tried to put him down, which has been a lot of people saying that he can't be quarterback and you might have your opinions about that, whatever it is, he's always been really gracious about how he's addressed those people, whether it's publicly or you know, on TV, whatever it might look like. And I've always appreciated Tim Tebow. And I remember one time somebody told me, this is just so cool, you gotta watch this, this interview. And I said, all right, so I watched it with him and the, the person's talking to Tim Tebow about his faith and saying, man, like, you have something. When people, like, hate on you, like, you don't, like, retaliate. Like, you're, you're calm about it and you're gracious. And he's like, you know, I just, I try to put my focus on, on what, what God sees me as, which is God's child. And, and that's who I am. And so if people hate on me, you know, I'm God's child at the end of the day. And so he started talking about this. And the guy said, I just think it's so cool because you're living just so radically. That's the word they use, just so radically. And I remember Tim Tebow looking at the guy and very nicely said, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm not really living radically. I'm just living how Jesus called me to live. And it hit me in that moment. If you were to think about your greatest spiritual hero, somebody that you look at, maybe, it's a, maybe it was your, your parent or maybe it's your grandfather or maybe it's your cousin or maybe it's your brother or sister or your spouse or maybe it's Tim Tebow or somebody like that or... Dwight Moody or I don't know, maybe whoever it is, maybe it's like, this is my hero. I want you to think about the things that they did that made them your hero. See, we look at them as radical. These are radical people that serve people. Mother Teresa, she's so radical, isn't she? Because she just kept serving people. But I want to challenge all of us right now as I'm challenging myself as I'm reading some of these things. I'm not sure Mother Teresa was living that radical. You see, servanthood is not a part of our role as Christians. That is the job description. Servanthood is the job description. When you sign up to be a follower of Jesus and you're, you're trying to pursue God, that's not just a tiny part of the role. That, that is the role. Because that was Jesus' mission. He came not to be served, but to serve others. So when you're signing up for this thing, that's the role. I, I mean, I don't think Tim Tebow is that radical. I don't think Mother Teresa is that radical. They were just radical. They were just doing what God called them to do, to serve. They were, they were acting like Jesus, essentially. The challenge here is I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> there is moments, I mean, if you were to ask me to sell my house right now and do all that stuff and say, I'm just going to go out and serve everyone, I, I'll be honest with you, I'd say no. I'm not at that place. I'm not a Mother Teresa. That's why we look at those people as radical. But when we actually dive into our hearts, are people genuinely first in our lives? 
Or do we, would we replace that people word with me, me first? It's so easy to do, and it's a really, really hard thing to tackle. And I'm walking through it every day, trying to put people ahead of myself, but to be honest, it's just hard. You see, being a servant, it's not radical. It is the job description. One of the most powerful things in the scriptures is this, and I want to give you a little context, but I want to read the, the part in scripture first as we begin to start our closing. In John 13, 14, 17, it says this, if I then, your Lord and teacher, and Jesus is talking to his, to his disciples, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is a really neat thing in scripture. Because as I've been processing this entire talk and I asked God to reveal to me what I was supposed to share today and I said, God, give me the words, help me to be able to be a blessing today to people, help me to be able to challenge and remind people of what we're called to do. What is it that, what's the takeaway here? What is the, the scripture that you want me to be able to give? And I believe it's this. It's kind of neat as you read this. A lot of times when people are washing feet in the scriptures, you can imagine how dirty their feet was. See, they didn't have Air Jordans. They didn't have all these different things. They had sandals, and there was a lot of dirt roads, and there was muck, and there was grossness. And so your feet were probably pretty disgusting. Like, I wouldn't have wanted to be back in those times. In fact, let's do an exercise. I want everyone to stand up. We're going to wash each other. No, I'm just joking. We're not going to do that. That'd be weird. This particular thing, people's feet would probably be very dirty. People's feet would be probably really, really dirty. But in this particular verse, if you read the context and you look into the historical background, it's very interesting to me. The disciples actually did not have dirty feet as they walked in. If you read further and further about this, you will find that there was actually servants at the door that had washed the disciples' feet. So when they came in, there was not a need to wash their feet. Their feet was already clean. Now, in some instances in Scripture, Jesus does wash people's feet who were very filthy and very dirty. But in this particular instance, the disciples would have walked in with clean feet because at the door, there would have been servants to wash the disciples' feet. And as I began processing this part of Scripture and I asked God to just to totally overtake my mind and, and give me what he wanted. What, what I said is, God, what are you trying to, what are you trying to display here? And, and, and this is what I believe God wants from us. See, sometimes we don't know where to serve. We don't know how to serve. We're too busy to serve. We don't know where we could possibly find the time. We don't know where we could possibly start. I don't know of a need. I'm not really sure. And I actually think serving is a little bit interesting because I actually think serving doesn't start with a need being brought to us. I actually think we should be diving in and finding the needs of people. See, it would have been really easy for those disciples to walk in with dirty feet and the first thing says, ah, Jesus is like, I don't want to get my carpet dirty. I'm going to go ahead and wash your guys' feet. There was a need. There would have been an immediate need to wash their feet. No, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't see dirty feet. He sees clean feet as they walk in. And what does he do? He washes their feet. This was somebody 
who is trying to set an example in this moment that I don't have to see a need to provide a service. I don't have to be asked of a need to provide a service. I am going to choose because service is an attitude. Serving people is an attitude. There is people in this room right now with all sorts of needs, financial needs, burdens with maybe children, burdens with marriages, burdens with stuff around their houses, car issues, uh, hopelessness issues, mental issues, addiction issues. There's all sorts of people in this room and there's all sorts of people outside of these walls that have needs. But oftentimes I sit back and wait for somebody to come, come to me with a need. But I think what God was saying in this particular moment is you don't have to see dirty feet to serve somebody. Maybe if we knew each other better as a community, you could ask the person to your left and ask the person to your right without seeing their dirty feet and saying, how can I serve you? I am here for you. That's what the church is. I think sometimes we think the church is this. We think it's, it's great to, to come in and get fed and hear a speaker and listen to some good music and oh, I just didn't really connect with the speaker today. Just really, like, I'm just not going through that. It wasn't, didn't really connect with me. Or, or maybe, oh, yeah, that really connected today. I, I, I love when it connects, but here's the deal. It's not even about that. We come to serve each other. That's why you're in this building today. To get to know people to your left, to get to know people to your right, to serve one another. That's exactly what Jesus did. This band, when they're playing, they're not, besides Trish, none of them are on our paid staff. They chose to, to, to come here early and to do this. They chose to practice on Thursday night because they want to serve you. And when you're out here, it's not just so the music feels good. You're actually standing up and worshiping a God who served you. And you're serving him through your worship. You don't have to lift your hands. You don't have to be standing up. You can sit down. It doesn't matter because there's no level of judgment of how you want to worship. But I want to tell you that the church is about serving one another and ultimately serving a God who got off his throne to come down here and serve us. The last thing that I want to tell you is that serving is not about status. It's about Jesus. See, being a servant isn't what the culture tells us to do. Culture tells us to live your best life now, to get that promotion, to be better, to get that boat, kids to get those video games, to get all these things, to get all these great clothes. And trust me, I'm such a materialistic dude. You're talking to a very materialistic guy. Am I going to probably go buy a new pair of Jordans this week? Yes. But God has to remind me sometimes that, look, it's not about you. Those are great things. I want the promotion. I want to get, you know, extra money and extra stuff and all this stuff. I, I love it. And I don't think those things are bad. Like, you should live life to the fullest. You should be, be a better person. You should make yourself better. You should get smarter. You should get more creative. You should be living your best life. But when those things are urgent all the time, and it's urgent, 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 maybe you need to check your heart and say, what am I seeking after? Because if I'm not seeking to put people first, then I'm not serving people, then I am not truly seeking the kingdom of God. Let this be a challenge to you because I'm telling you it's a giant challenge to me and I'm hypocritical to act like I got it because I don't. As far as the serving is about status, you might be saying, what is that all about? If you're up here on the ladder, your family's got it together, everything is good, then you always feel like you have an opportunity to serve because you can always serve less fortunate than them. What about the people that feel like they're down here on the status level? Feel like things aren't going good for them. Feel like they're broke. Feel like... There's no hope. 
and I'm down here on the status level and I see this, this, this group of people that's up here, this person that's up here, how could I possibly serve? I want to tell you today that service is not just about the people who have the high status helping the people that have the low status. Service is not about status. Ster service is about Jesus, which means if you're down here and you don't think you have anything to offer today, I want to tell you that's a lie. Because you can still serve the people that have everything. You might say, well, why would I serve them? They already have everything. I'm the one that's hurting. Serving isn't about status. Serving is about Jesus. So if you feel like you're down here, I want to challenge and encourage you today. You 100% have something to offer the people up here because you have an attitude and a heart to offer them. And maybe they will see that you don't have anything technically, but you're pursuing and seeking after God's kingdom. And that's what they will see. And that's when they'll see an attractive gospel. They'll see the gospel that changed your life and that changed my life. My favorite, my favorite verse is Romans 5.8. And as I call the band up, I want to read this verse to you and they're going to play a song. Romans 5.8 is a, a beautiful verse. It says this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the reason I love this verse. We were at our absolute worst. Sin is an ugly thing. And we're sinners. And we're at our absolute worst. And you talk about status, you want the status ladder? I don't think it gets higher than the throne, which is exactly where Jesus was sitting. I mean, he, he was up top of the ladder, he was on the throne. It does not get much better than that, as far as status goes. And he saw a group of people with low status, broken people, sinners, murderers, all these different people. That's exactly what he saw. He gets off his status ladder, he gets off his throne, and at my worst, at my worst, a broken, hopeless person that has no chance to live past this life, Jesus comes down and is like, I, I love you, and in fact, I'm going to serve you. And you know how I'm going to serve you? I'm going to take your place because you actually have a chance because you should be hanging on the cross, but instead I'm going to do that for you because I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you. And in that particular moment, God displays the greatest, greatest story of love we've ever known. Romans 5.8 is beautiful because it paints a picture that's not about us. It's actually about Jesus, and Jesus made it not about Jesus because he came down to serve. This morning as you think about your life and about people. I wanna ask you, are, are people first in your life? I'll answer it, no, people are not first in my life. I'm working towards it. I want people to be first, but I'm a selfish guy who has my own agenda sometimes, It has my own thoughts and my own ways and I'd be lying to say if I was there, but I wanna challenge you this morning, this is what God called us to, this is the job description. Don't wait for dirty feet to approach your doorstep for you to feel like you have to jump in to serve. There's opportunities here at Waypoint. There's opportunities outside of Waypoint. There's opportunities all over the place, but instead we're kind of waiting for people to come through our doors. And I think God is saying, look, I don't need a pair of dirty feet to serve. In fact, I'm gonna take a clean pair of feet and I'm gonna serve because serving is all about the heart. It's all about the attitude. This morning, 
would you choose to go looking for people to serve? Ask the person to your left. Ask the person to your right. Get to know people in this community of believers and say, how can I serve you? You wanna feel connected with somebody? Start serving. I hear this all the time. We're not connected. We're not feeling connected. I get that. I get that. And we're working hard to make sure that people feel connected here. But I want to tell you, the greatest way that you could feel connected to somebody is to serve them. When you serve somebody, what you're doing is you are making the gospel attractive because you are making people see the beauty that's inside your life and inside your heart. Would you bow your heads with me? God, this morning, I am humbled, I am honored, and I'm completely unworthy to stand before these people. I don't deserve to. Somehow your grace allowed me to be up here this morning. (sighs) Jesus, I ask that you would, you just allow us to know who you are. And you're a person that loves us. You're not this big bad wolf who's out to get us, who doesn't care about us. You're a person who loves us deeply. You're a person who wants what's best for us. But the neat thing is you want what's best for others too. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in ourselves, we get so wrapped up in in all the things that we have. And there's a lot of people that are hurting, Jesus. Brokenness, hopelessness, feeling just like there's no way they could ever be anybody. And they feel like on the status level, why would I help anyone because I'm so low? I'm the one that needs help, but God says, put that attitude past yourself because this isn't about you. You're supposed to serve those who have everything. For the people that are up high on that status level, God, on that ladder, would you challenge them today? Because you, Father, were on the ultimate status by sitting on the throne and you still came down. God, nobody is above us and nobody is below us. We are humans that needed your grace and you chose to serve us, wherever we're at in life today. Maybe we're not on a journey with you, that's okay. Maybe we don't know you, that's okay. Today, God, you just wanna reveal that you love us and you're here to serve us. During this time of worship, would we just, would we just if, if people don't wanna stand or people don't wanna raise their hands or whatever, it doesn't matter, we're, we don't care about that. What we care about is just, it's a heart of worship today. This, this morning, it's about a heart of worship Worship isn't even really about the music. It's, it's truly about just giving back to you and serving you in worship and saying, God, you chose to serve me. You came off the, the status ladder of the throne and you, you came down to serve me. Today in this moment, as I stare at the words on the screen, I'm gonna serve you in, the, in these next four minutes. I, that's what I ask, God. Today we throw out status. Today we throw out um, a need, because there is needs. Today we throw out waiting for the needs. And today we, we put on the, attractive, the attractiveness of Jesus. And we say, Lord, you have something for us. Let me be an attractive person to those around me so that they know that I'm loved by God and I want to display that love to other people. That's what I ask today. I thank you for this, this uh, congregation, this community. These are people that I just absolutely love because, gosh, I just enjoy being around them. They, they are people that, that care for one another. They're people that encourage each other. That's what this church is about. It's never gonna be about the red walls surrounding us today. It's, it's about the hearts of the people that are in here. May we look to the person to our right and to the person to our left this morning 
and say, how can I serve you? How can I serve you and be like Jesus? We ask these things in the amazing name of Jesus Christ. Amen.